You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It's the Oz Network flashback Friday time, and an exciting one for you today. You know, it's personally exciting because I'm bringing this to you from my own mind. That made no sense. I was going somewhere with that, and apparently it died pretty quickly. But uh, Brian Heideck, uh, our interview with him, uh, to me, the greatest player ever to play Survivor. We uh, put this one way back when, I think it was our very first Flashback Friday we put to you, it was between him and Greg Buis from Borneo. You chose Greg, but uh, you knew we were going to eventually play this one. A great chat, uh, fantastic insight into Brian's winning game, and uh, kind of got him out of the woodwork too. This is the first interview that he had done in about uh, 11, 12, 13 years, however long it had been uh, in between uh, drinks at that point in the history of our podcast. So uh, I'm going to shut up. You need to listen to this. It's a great chat. Here it is, our very first interview with the king of Survivor. Brian Heideck. Brian Heideck competed on the fifth season in Thailand, where he outwitted, outlasted, and outplayed everyone else to be declared the sole survivor and million dollar winner. Often referred to as one of the greatest players of all time, Brian manipulated his way through the game while keeping people on his side, before an immunity streak towards the end earned him a spot at the final tribal council, where he would earn the jury's vote to win his season. I spoke to Brian about how suggestions rather than orders were the key to his victory, why there were some behind the scenes issues with Jeff Probst and himself during his season, as well as discussing puppies and porn, candy bar commercials, and the truth behind the misspelling of Road Trip. Brian, it is a huge honour to have you here on Survivor Odds. Well, you guys are too kind. It's my pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> well, uh, we've got to be kind, I think, because uh, a lot of people are anticipating this chat today, Brian, and uh, I will just quickly go over the statistics before I get started. You are the ninth person from Thailand to be on this show and the 14th different winner, but for most people... The fact that uh, we've, we've found you today to chat to you, I just mentioned to you before we started this interview, we've, uh, we've looked for you for a while. So uh, this is where so many people are excited today, Brian. Um, it's been a while since you've spoken about Survivor, hasn't it? Yeah, it's like anything else. It's, uh, it's like a gold medal or like an ex-girlfriend or an ex-wife. You had a great experience, but you move on. Uh, although there's been a lot of positives that come along with it too, so I really appreciate you guys uh, reaching out, and it's uh, it's a pleasure speaking with y'all out there in uh, Australia. Now I have to ask the question: uh, What, as you said, obviously people you move on from such a thing in your life. What's then made you decide to kind of to chat about Survivor after a few years away from the limelight, Brian? Well, it's like anything else. Um, all the positivity that went along with it, you can't really ignore. So. As much as I tried to get away from the quote-unquote limelight and move out into the country, it, uh, it always seemed to follow me. But at the same time, I, I have never a problem talking about it or talking with people because I do have a lot, of, a lot of fans out there and some friends that still love talking about it. And it's, uh, it is an amazing experience, and the psychology behind it is always fascinating to me. Even watching you know, the new seasons, it's, uh, uh, it, it's so interesting to me how people always have a strategy, but then they stray from the strategy. And really, the strategy ultimately should be people. And if you're a people person and you get along with folks in life, like in business, you'll uh, you'll do very well in Survivor. Mm, it's uh, it's always intriguing, I think, with particularly a lot of the uh, the older school players from those first eight seasons to, to speak about kind of development of the game, strategy from those early those early seasons. One one such person who you could imagine uh, is very vocal about how people play the game now, 
Richard Hatch, who we had on the show. Now, uh, within, I think, a minute of speaking to Richard, he's basically getting stuck into people the way they play their strategy and everything along those lines. I think with yourself, Brian, I've often said that you really had a similar game to Richard in a post-Richard world, but kind of adapted that and moved on with it. Did you... Do you consider that to be true? Do you think you took anything away from Richard Hatch when you went into Thailand, or was it just completely the Brian Hardick strategy that's completely not true? Well, wait, so you're trying to tell me you had cameras actually in jail? You did an interview from jail? <laughs> yes, yes, we, we had we had human no, ones. No, no offense, Richard. <laughs> no, good deal. I'm glad he's, I hope he's safe, and I hope he's out, but, uh, you know, we all experience roadblocks in our life, and you, and you, and you move on. Um, with regards to the play of Richard, again, that was the first season, so... Folks didn't really know what to expect. He was just a smart corporate guy who knew people. And that's usually what wins Survivor. If you happen to know people and you treat people with a certain dignity and respect, you tend to move forward in the game, period. So comparing myself to Richard, you know, I always like to compare oranges with oranges. I'm a different person. I'm a different man. He has his beliefs. I've got mine. Uh, Bottom line, I'd have a great time playing with him if it ever came up, but I think... uh, you know, any individual that moves forward in the game, you there is a little luck. Uh, there is some strategy, but it, 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 again, it boils down to if you enjoy life and you enjoy people. And, and a lot of people don't. Nowadays, it's so interesting to me how there's a certain energy with a person on Survivor. You have to respect that energy and take it in as opposed to push it away. And that's if you can pick up on people's energy too, you'll be able to uh, really move forward and survive. That's a mouth-watering prospect I just heard you say if you were to ever play with Richard Hatch. Some of many people right now just got very excited if that ever happened, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> like anything else, we'll see what Mark Burnett decides. <laughs> we'll no doubt touch on that uh, very shortly with that. I'm just actually noticing behind you there, Brian, is that uh, one of the immunity necklaces you won during the season there framed? Nice uh, nice memento there. Yeah, we, all, we always have to have our, our wall of shame, or wall of fame, I, I should say. Um, but sure, you have to have the memories. I've got uh, I've got kind of what I, uh, let's see what else I've got, what I wore actually up top there. That's, that's what I wore. It's all framed in there. And there's some of the utensils as well, too, that I actually ate with fantastic so some of the some of the utensils actually the the coconut that you make out of a spoon and things like that so you know you got to have it's all positive memories but sure it's always good that that's ultimately right there what controls the game the immunity idol necklace that's what controls the game period and three of them in a row that obviously uh got you right to the end and we'll no doubt touch on that uh after in this chat too but uh, do you do you get to walk away with uh, many of the props, do you have to sort of say to the guys there as you're leaving Thailand, oh, can I have that, can I have that, or do you have to fight everyone for them? Um, it all depends on your strategy. <laughs> so um, a lot of times they want everything back, but uh, obviously if you move forward in the game, and um, uh, most of the production is very cool about uh, having some sort of keepsakes, but uh, generally speaking, uh, what what you have to, uh, what's there, you have to leave there, and um, if you find something, um, you know, you have to put it back. Like some people, I think, found certain things on the island, like some coffee or some things, and if they used it, um, it would piss a lot of people off, and you'd get ultimately booted if you, quote-unquote, cheated. So that's why you have to be very careful of what you do around you and um, just kind of be low-keyed. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that, because I'm sure if yeah, a couple of people are walking around with coffee and stuff like that, you know, hang on a minute, what's going on there? I want coffee. <laughs> that's a fair advantage, because you're... Again, what you don't see on TV is your entire downtime 
all your conversations are going to be about food, about your favorite food, about your favorite recipe, about your favorite cereals, about what you like with the cereals, about your favorite desserts. You, you have a constant conversation about food, which doesn't ever really come up too much. Well, it does, but you don't really know how extreme it is. Um, how folks deal with lack of food, lack of water, lack of sleep. Some other others, some do better than others. So um, that's usually what is people's demise in Survivor. Is maybe some people have a nicotine affection. There might be some alcoholics. There might be some uh, foodaholics. And you have to capitalize on that and say, hey, this guy's got an issue or he can't go to the bathroom or this person here is uh, dehydrated. Now, you want to nurture them as much as you can, but ultimately it's like any sport. If they're not good or not fit, then it's the likely pecking order that ultimately uh, gets them off of Survivor. Mm, yeah. Did, did you find yourself personally struggling with anything like that? And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, Brian, that you obviously kept all that hidden, though. You didn't want anyone to see your weaknesses. Absolutely. Um, sure, we all struggle. It's extremely difficult out there. You don't really realize how difficult this lack of food and, and lack of uh, water and lack of sleep is. And, of course, the unknown. Um, you don't know where you're at. They, they, they transport you in, in darkened containers, and they, everything's the element of surprise. So it's the, it's the unknown and the downtime is where a lot of folks on Survivor tend to shoot themselves in their own foot, period. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, a lot of people uh, send in questions, Brian, asking um, initially how you got in, into the game in the first place. Now, I, I had a few people mentioning in that they'd heard um, rumors that you had been recruited and obviously so early on in uh, Survivor when this really wasn't the norm. Now, one of the listener questions actually from Brett Bauer asked that specific question, what was the connection that led them to finding you and offering you a slot on the show, and uh, what was the casting process like for you? Well, initially, um, uh, Survivor, true, Survivor Production was looking for people in the car industry, okay? Um, I happened to be on one of the car lots at the time being where they were recruiting. So they actually went up to a friend of mine, and they asked uh, a friend of mine, they said, hey, how would you like to be on a show? I have a chance to earn a million dollars. And they, he goes, you know what? I don't, but talk to that guy right there. So the people came over to me, and meanwhile, you know, just trying to take care of business, always, uh, uh, always, uh, uh, you know, trying to profit off of something or sell something. Uh, I had these individuals come up and chit chat with him, so we talked, and I said, "Isn't that the show where there's a bunch of uh, lunatics acting funny on TV?" And uh, next thing I know, I'm one of the lunatics acting funny on TV. I was on a on a on a 24-hour ride to Thailand, but like anything else, I had to go through the process and talk about talk about. Sh Talk about uh, why I had to, uh, why I was going to win. Go sit down. So I got my dogs here too. I was, I was about to say, so I got a dog in the uh, background there. <laughs> sit down, buddy. go sit down. Um, uh, so you kind of have to, you know, realize that hey, this is a show that's it could be an interesting experience in your life. Number one, but number two, you could also capitalize on a business standpoint. And that's why I started thinking, hey, this might be kind of interesting. And uh, you know, I guess they like the fact that uh, I was pretty sincere. Uh, about when I said I'm going to control your emotions, I'm going to manipulate your mind, but I'm going to have a good time doing it. Ultimately, that worked, and it uh, it moved me forward in the game. But boy, I, I sure did have a good time uh, talking with people and, and learning about folks and um, uh, suggesting opportunities as opposed to delegating, which is so easy. But some people they feel they have to. You got to do it this way. Let's do this. Must do this. No, you come here. Whoa. You don't have to worry about uh, acting like that. It's really, let's suggest and enjoy. And then if we can all become friends, like in elementary school, like in high school, like in work, the job place, if we can all get along or at a radio station, then let's all work together. 
But if we can't get along, let's end this relationship as soon as we can so we're out of pain. So it all depends on how you look at Survivor. It really is, it really is perception, which is uh, an ultimate uh, decision that people make. Mm, well, it's a, it's a good way of looking at it. And you famously obviously said you were there on a business trip. You know, that was kind of, I think, a lot of people came out of that. Brian Hardick here on a business trip, very successful business trip because you go on to win. Was this... Did this kind of go going into the game? Was this always that notion, or when you were after the tribes were picked by Jan and Jake? Did um you turn around then and kind of look at what your who you're with, what you've got possibilities there, and then really think to yourself, okay, this is what I've got to go with and move with? Yeah, there are some major decisions I had to make at the end of the game with regards to um who I was going to take with and who I wasn't. I, again, if I didn't have this. I wouldn't have had that, that power as well, too. But luckily, it worked out. There were a couple of challenges that worked. Uh, um, I did have to make a big decision in the end where it, it, it was hurtful to make some decisions because I knew somebody had done more things in the game that helped move forward. But I also knew that, hey, if I would choose them, it probably would be a $900,000 mistake on my part. And when there's a business trip, and it's strictly business. It's not a friendship and a relationship. It's business. When you make a business decision, like the purchase of a vehicle, you want the best deal. Or the purchase of a house, you want the most square footage for your money. Same thing when you're play, playing Survivor. Um, if you can last the first couple of weeks and you get sort of to the end and then you can start controlling the game and win a couple of immunities, you have the power. You want to make the right decision. So ultimately, uh, you know, you want to bring people that are either not quite as liked, have done some things that maybe they shouldn't have done, or... Maybe somebody didn't do anything, but if you bring somebody that didn't do anything throughout the entire process, they might just take the title because they were there and you did more things that maybe stepped on other people's toes. Mm, Well, given this is the fifth season of Survivor, uh, we hadn't really seen that before. And I think this is what a lot of people will attribute you to creating, Brian, is kind of, quote, the taking the goat to the end sort of strategy. Because, I mean, in the first four seasons, we'd just seen a lot of close friendships. They kind of stuck towards the end. We saw the decimation of tribes. But you really seem to be that first person to get, hey, if I take someone to the end who isn't that well-liked, it's going to benefit me in that final tribal council. Is it kind of a bit of a thrill to almost create something that nowadays we see very much happening almost every season? Yeah, it's it's not only is it a thrill, it's almost an addiction. Um, it's one of those uh, situations where if, if, if you want to throw a curveball at somebody it's almost you you tell them one thing you play leapfrog a lot you tell them one thing but you completely throw a curveball and that's part of the game and that's when I realized that hey this really is business and not friendship and the game part is the part that you have to decide whether oh are these my best friends that are in my life hey we just met everyone I didn't grow up with these people Um, we all just met recently they're doing the same thing to me, they're going to try to get me off. It's just a matter of, do you know this person better than I know you? No. I know a lot of people and what they like, what they don't like, how they're going to react. Why? Because I study them and I enjoy that. It's, it's something I do on a daily basis and that kind of has helped uh, with survivors. So uh, that's the decision a lot of folks make is they, they, they misjudge the friendship and the business part. But when you're out there, again, it's lack of food, lack of water, lack of sleep, and the emotions, you can't control that sometimes. And that's the fascinating thing of, of, uh, of survivors. How well can you control those emotions? And a lot of the females and the women out there, compared to the men, the, their emotions are, are they're very emotional about the game, which is, which is great. I get emotional about it too, but 
you know, some men get emotional too. It's just a matter of how you handle their emotions. Yeah, and I think too, we've had a few people, um, when we get to our final five questions, we have uh, a couple of questions which uh, you have been answered for, which you'll get why you've been answered for at the end, Brian. But some people have brought up um, in terms of your win, uh, they've, they've commented that you're a used car salesman, you're going to have an advantage. I think one thing that's amazed me really, Brian, is that since Thailand, since your win, I don't think we've actually ever seen another used car salesman on Survivor. So there's another kind of unique thing you hold in this world. Has it surprised you to, to see that they've never gotten another used car salesman to play? Yeah, well, it, it has. Um, you can call it used car salesman, you can call it new car salesman. It really depends on the person. Um, I like to consider myself a problem solver a lot of times, too. I, I help a lot of people on a daily basis. But um, there are the epitome used car salesmen, and then there are the pros in this world. Um, they just came across one of the best that's ever played the game and one of the best in the business in the, uh, in the car business. So um, it really is the person. Uh, the title, you can be an executive, you can be a Navy SEAL, you can be uh, a Harvard business graduate. These titles mean nothing out in Survivor, and that's what we always must remember. It's not the titles. It's how well do you know people, how well can you get along with people, and the energy. There's a certain energy with people when they connect as friends or co-workers or uh, business associates and they understand each other they can move forward in the game you start getting titles in there it's meaningless out on an island it really is so that's what we always have to go by it's titles don't mean anything on survivor and always keep that in mind you can have the smartest people and the toughest person and i've noticed a lot of times the smartest people overthink and the toughest people are the ones that uh maybe their 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 muscles get um dehydrated quicker because they're used to certain dieting and and certain uh, uh, supplements. So it is interesting on how, how it affects different people and who moves forward and who doesn't. Is there a real strategy in the game? That depends on how well you know people. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's it's interesting, I suppose, with titles and everything because we see it often that some people really try and hide that title, you know, of people know I'm this or people know I do this. That's going to affect how um, I'm perceived in the game. But I, I'm guessing, I suppose, then, I mean, you know, as you said, it, it means nothing while you're out there. It's the people factor and uh, obviously moving along with it. One thing, we got a few questions out. Um, early in the game, obviously, with Chewy on, John and Tanya are the first two to go. Now, Mario Lanza um, has messages in asking, the question that he's never really seen a, a good explanation as to why John was the uh, the first voted out. So he suspects that you saw him as a threat, but this has never been made clear. So what was the reason why John was the first to go from your tribe? Well, keep in mind, uh, it really was a group decision. There was I was just part of a group decision. When you have a strong personality that delegated, let's do this this way. This is how it's going to be. No. We're going to do it this way. No, this is how it's going to be. We all said, whoa, hold on. That was his own demise. That was his approach. His approach was to be a very strong personality, and we're going to do it this way. Again, a great competitor, really good guy. Um, hey, John, what's going on? Uh, hope all's well. I don't know where he's at now, but his, his own demise was the fact that he was very strong of an individual. He delegated as opposed to suggested. Simple things like that out on the island will really hurt your moves forward. And if people forget that, it's part of their own demise. But maybe they don't forget it. Maybe that's just not their personality and they can't help it. And that's fine. That's him. That just happened to hurt him during that time. And again, it was a group decision. It wasn't uh, necessarily my decision, but we all recognized it. 
So that was kind of interesting to see how he went first. As much as we thought he was going to be a strong player, we were like, well, we can't work with this person. We got to let's all get rid of him. Sure. And it was very unanimous. I had nothing to do with it except say, yeah, sounds good, guys. That was it. <laughs> I, I'm, loving, I'm loving how you keep saying um, suggesting, not delegating how to tell people, because I think it, it, it makes perfect sense, really, Brian, especially in those, I suppose, early parts of the game where someone like John is coming out and saying, you do this, you do this. That's why he's going home first. Whereas you might be trying, I suppose, in a way to do it. But as you say, you're suggesting it. You're not barking orders. Correct. And to this day, still, every season when I watch it, you've still got the same type of individuals. No, this is how we're going to build a fire. Or no, we're going to build it this way. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's, it's, it's funny. It's comical. But when you're out there, you're hungry and you're tired. And you won't want to deal with a personality that you can't deal with. And that's why you kind of say, well, it's, let's get rid of them so we can have this peace and this harmony. And we can deal with the unknown because there is so much unknown with Survivor. That's what's so uh, so fun about it, too. Mm, I'm definitely keen to get your thoughts on some of the, the way the game's changed uh, very shortly. Now, another question Mario kind of put to um, you as well in terms of the tenure vote. Now, it, um, it seemed obviously a lot of people were concerned she obviously wasn't in the best of health early on. Now, was this a tough boot for you, Brian, because uh, we spoke to Tanya recently and she seemed to mention that you guys got along very well early in the game. So was that a really difficult boot that early on? Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of I kind of uh, talked about earlier with regards to health and if somebody's hurting physically as well as mentally, um, as much as we wanted to bring Tanya along, and again, it was a group decision, Tanya was experiencing some sickness and some things which it really, it really was tough to watch and tough to be around because... You know, I wanted to be the big brother. I wanted to say, hey, come on, we can do this. Um, you know, I, I love being a quarterback and uh, uh, throwing the ball to different people and handing off the ball to different people. But at the same time, if somebody's hurt, you got to put them on the sidelines. And we put her on the sidelines. Hence, we voted off John first. She was still, you know, experiencing some stuff, but we were hoping to get her better. The only thing about Tanya was she didn't get better. I know she's a tough competitor, and uh, it, it was really rough to – uh, have to put her off, but again, group decision, it all made sense for the furtherment of the tribe. Mm, do you think she could have potentially, I mean, we, we like the what-if scenario, Brian, we know obviously looking at the game in hindsight, uh, you obviously can't change how it goes, but do you feel if Tanya hadn't have gotten sick the way she had, she potentially could have gone very far in the game? Absolutely. Um, being a tough competitor, I know she had uh, run some track and uh, she was mentally tough as well, but sure, she would have been a very good competitor if she didn't have the sort of the weakness and some of those. Uh, she was very sick, and it was again, it was tough. She had some stomach issues that was tough to uh, watch. And we we all tried to let's get come on, get better, and everything everything was positive about what we we're doing. So um, she just couldn't move forward. She was like, no, you know. She even said basically, uh, you know, I'll probably be the next to go. And we said, okay, and again, as a group decision. So um, which was which was tough. We, um, in our chat to tenure, actually, uh, was, she was one of the main ones we were speaking to about, look, we have no idea where Brian is. And she mentioned that, um, really, that she would love to chat to you. So, look, we're, I don't know when the last time you spoke to Tanya was, Brian, but, um, look, you know, we can pass on her details and you guys can connect and be, have a bit of reunion almost. Absolutely. Tell Tanya hello and look forward to hearing from her. Mm, absolutely. We'll make that happen. Obviously, then, after that happened, we have the, the Ted Gandhi situation. Talked a lot about after the game, during the game. Do you think this was a real, um, you know, was it overblown? Was it underblown? I mean, what were your thoughts on it then? And what are your thoughts on it now, Brian? Loved it. <laughs> loved, loved the drama. It took all the focus away from everything else. It was perfect. 
All they did was do this, put the X marks on their head, and it was a matter of time. But that's great. That's the one thing about Spyro. Wonderful. Everything that goes on, I don't know what happened. There was They were talking about something or either sleeping next to each other. I don't think anything happened. I think Ganya made a bigger deal about it than she should have for attention. And uh, quiet. Sorry, I've got the dogs in here. It's fine. Uh, or, <laughs> uh, you know, she did a, a, a typical drama-oriented move on Survivor that you can't do when you have 25 million Americans watching, number one. Number two, you can't do it on that island a group, amongst a group of 10 people as well. So you got to be, uh, she made a bad decision, but she decided to create the drama. And it was great because we could just ultimately see who would go next and when. That helped very easy to, to decide who's going to move further and who's not in the game. So didn't have a problem with it. It was their own uh, feud, as they say. And uh, I, I think it was overblown, but I, I ultimately think it was Ghani's decision to overblow it for attention and for some to try to move on in the game or maybe even... Uh, to try to gain a sympathy vote as well, too, to allow her to move forward because uh, some of her uh, physical attributes in uh, some of the competitions weren't working. So, again, the psychology behind Survivor is fascinating. People do and act under certain situations of, that are unexplained, but that was her decision. Hmm. It's an interesting point, actually, you, you mentioned. I think it's one that I don't think we've ever really spoken about on this show. I've heard too much about the potential there that um, it could have been used as a sympathy vote. Now, no disrespect to Gandhi, but, I mean, had it worked and had it perhaps Ted had gone home next instead of Gandhi and she had gotten far because of it, then strategically at such an early point in Survivor, it could have been smart almost. <laughs> Correct, but it obviously backfired for her. Yes, yes, again, it's this kind of what-if <laughs> scenario, supposedly, Brian, that um, so many people hate us talking about, but we bring up a little bit. I th- obviously, we had the fake merge. Shean, uh sort of comes over to you guys. She all of a sudden then becomes target number one when it's realised a fake merge. Kind of, again, going on the, the what-if scenario, but a little bit differently. Do you think Shean could have played very well into your guys' plans had it been a merge at that point? And would it have affected the game much at that point? Had it been the merge, do you think? Well, I mean, Shein, again, a very smart uh, woman, uh, played the game extremely well. But the thing about Shein is she was likable. We all liked her. That's the thing about what was so interesting to me that as I watched the game progress, she wasn't very liked by her tribe. I don't know why. She's very likable, very knowledgeable about food, um, very eclectic. So that's why I thought she was a great competitor, but also she'd been very good in our tribe because she knew a lot about food. And anytime you got someone who knows a lot about food, that's a big plus. As much as we tried to uh, 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 catch the crabs and and the snails, um, Shan really was knowledgeable about certain things and, and how to cook some things. But her time was quick and brief. Did she threaten some girls in our tribe? I, I don't know. She just was a good competitor. Mm. So some of, the, some of the girls thought she was trying to weasel in our tribe, which I saw. So if I'm going to pick a side, I'm going to pick my tribe members and go along with their decision. So ultimately getting her off wasn't my decision. Again, it was a group decision that we all agreed on. But if you can see, I'm very much group-oriented, and there's no sense of, hey, it's, it's, this is my decision. It was never that way until this. Mm-hmm. Until you've got that around your neck. <laughs> so that's, that's where you've got to be careful of. And then it, it boils down to, well, how do you know this per- Well, this person? Can you really trust this person? Um, you got, there's all times throughout the game where ultimately you don't have this, and you've got to trust. And you got to have friendship, and you do develop friends very quickly. 
So that's, um, that's one thing a lot of people uh, 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 either make the mistake of developing friendships with somebody they can't trust or they develop friendships with the wrong person. Mm, absolutely. Do, do you feel Xi'an was deserving of returning for All-Stars, Brian? It's a, it's a thing some people bring up often from Thailand. Was she that one person that you were expecting to see? Or besides yourself, who else would have maybe you preferred to see over Xi'an? Well, um, again, it's, it's like any, ultimately that was Mark Burnett's decision. So... Um, there, there are a couple times that it was offered, but I, you know, wanted to stay away from it. So um, it's like anything else. I'm glad for her. I'm glad she accepted it. Um, she was a good competitor when she came back, and uh, um, you know, I, you never know why the cards were aligned that way where Shan went on. But I'm glad. I'm glad she had some success out of it. Mm. We um, we spoke to her recently, and I think um, a lot of the time we we got people from Thailand on. She was all there's always listener questions about Shan. She's kind of still very popular all these years. So hello, to, hello to Shan. Uh, if she's Absolutely. Listening. Tell, tell, tell Shalan hello from Brian too. She- Definitely, awesome. we will pass it on. Now, you obviously, um, as the game going on, the numbers are getting smaller. You're getting closer and closer to the end. You, you keep mentioning it's group decision. You're uh, suggesting. You're not telling orders and that. You were very instrumental, though, I think, in, in keeping a lot of your tribe members together post-merge to, to stick together, to have the numbers until the final five. What was? I mean, you've obviously already talked a lot about the suggesting and getting along with people. Was that really the secret to kind of containing the five of all of you together so you don't go off and join up with someone from Sukjai, or is there other elements there that perhaps we haven't mentioned already? Well, the elements that are there that a lot of viewers can't see or realize is the camaraderie, the group, the tribe, the friendships that actually developed in our tribe were quite real. Um, whereas the other tribe... They never developed the friendships like we had. There was a lot of dissension. They were considered the quote-unquote younger tribe. We were the more mature, older. So our decisions were a lot wiser as opposed to less thought out of from the other tribe, more immature. So what you can't see out of camera is the, the friendships. There was a lot of good times we had on there. And that's what the other tribe didn't have. They didn't have the good times. We had the good times. We were all friends. We were laughing a lot. So we liked each other. If you don't like each other, those usually are the first tribes that fall apart. So once you like each other, the last thing you want to do is leave in a strange environment, leave each other. So you all want to kind of bond and move forward. Ultimately, we all started making some right decisions and the challenges, hence winning the challenges. Once you start winning the challenges, there's a sort of momentum step by step that builds up. And when you have the momentum, like in a rugby game or a football game or basketball or baseball when you've got this momentum that builds up, it's hard to stop it. And that's what was our success as a tribe is we built up this momentum that, and the energy that you can't see on camera or the friendships really that behind the camera um, without the drama. That's what helped us move forward, win some challenges, get some food in your stomach, uh, win, the green, you know, win the Green Berets, we got more soup, we fed ourselves, we, we had a sense of revitalization by winning challenges and, and moving forward as a group, hence we could very easily pick off the tribe as we so desired once we, as we kept winning our challenges. It was such a big momentum swing in Thailand, I think. Obviously, you guys lose three of the first four immunity challenges, and basically after Gandhi goes, 
everybody's a Sook Giant member who's voted out right up until the final five. And um, uh, in speaking to the guys from Sook Giant, I mean, they obviously are admitting, look, we weren't getting along as well as the guys over at Chewigon. It's it's so amazing, I find, in these earlier seasons of Survivor, Brian. You hardly see it often now. It's kind of how tight tribes really do stick together. And I think that's what I miss about Survivor, those earlier days when that happened. I miss, I miss the gongings of tribes, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, but also it's it's very interesting to me how a lot of people don't realize that you can be very analytical, you can f- have this strategy, but if you overthink it and you forget about just being people out on an island trying to get along, that's when Survivor starts getting a little wacky. Is they, they think they know it all, they've done this, or this is going to merge, or this is going to happen, or this, whereas you don't really know what's going to happen. And if you keep that open mind and sort of laid-back mentality of, I'm not sure what's going to happen but I'll deal with it when it does happen, that will help you move forward in the game. You, have, you, you can't predict everything because like in life, it's unpredictable. You can't. You can have an idea of what's going to happen next, but you, if somebody throws a curveball at you, you've got to be able to deal with it or not. So hopefully uh, um, we go back to the old school way of playing, like all this Redemption Island stuff and this uh, immunity idol that's hidden in the, in the woods. Come on. Enough with that. Come on, Jeff. I'll tell Jeff personally, stop that, all that, because I know Jeff has something to do with it too. But uh, um, if we can just go back to old school, that would be great too, because a lot of old school stuff with Survivor is fun. But like in life, like in uh, fashion, you see a lot of old fashion coming back. Fashion repeats itself after 20 years. So if we can go back to sort of an old school way and simplify things, I think um, it would be fun again, because it's a little confusing sometimes to watch Survivor. I, even playing the game, it's like, where'd this come into play or where'd that come into play? Then I find myself going, hey, gee, Brian, maybe you're overthinking it. Stop and uh, sit back and watch. But there's a lot of elements going on nowadays that, whew, <laughs> man, it's it, it's tough out there. I feel for those guys Just and girls. The, the development, <laughs> I mean, I have I've often said I'm, I'm a fan of the old school, but I'm a, obviously you have development, but... Um, you know, you, you watch an episode of Survivor now and just pretty much 90% of it is strategy, people, you know, what are we doing? Even in the first episode, it's I've got a final four with you, I've got this. Whereas in your season, those earlier ones, it's all about getting to know every single contestant, uh, looking at how you guys are surviving. Uh, it's just so different. Yeah, again, it boils down to people, person. And if, if I think we're a little oversaturated with television nowadays, in reality, obviously, and people are oversaturated with how to play the game Survivor. Um, I was one of the few ones that never really watched Survivor. So as people were out there talking, I kind of just listened. Oh, strategy about that? Interesting. Well, what about, you know, what are their favorite likes or dislikes? What's the name of their dog at home? Um, do they have any brothers? Or... So I looked at more the person and how they are as people and what brought them to the person that they are today as opposed to, well, this is going to happen and this this. Well, you don't even know their, their dog's name or their, their, uh, uh, if they're married or not or where they live or where they're from or, or what they like in life. Um, what's their favorite food? The simple things about just, just getting along with people, that, that's where there's a disassociation with Survivor back then and now. So I hope we see some changes here in the future. I definitely agree with you. Now, obviously, though, in, in terms of strategy towards the end, uh, you, you've got final two alliances with Helen, Ted, and Clay. Now, we've obviously touched on a little bit about uh, why you took Clay, why that was a, a move on your behalf to, to do that, because you're going on the immunity streaks. Uh, is there more to why you chose Clay to take to the end towards Helen and Ted, or was it really kind of... You know, it was just basically because you honestly thought he was the only guy you could beat in the final two. Well, um, to be honest with you, we all really, again, were good friends. 
Clay was a lot of fun to be around. He really made me laugh, and he was a jokester, um, but he made everybody laugh. A really good energy, really positive. Hey, what's going on, Clay? Hope you're all out there still. Um, uh, but all around good guy. It came to a point where there's a couple times where he stepped on a couple pieces of people's toes and said a few things he maybe shouldn't have, regretted it. Um, you know, older gentlemen who sometimes became a little pissed off because of this or that, and then some people didn't like how, how he reacted. I just used that towards my advantage. He reacted worse than, say, I would have reacted. So, sure, he was uh, less liked, as they say, but everybody was playing a sort of, sort of a who are we going to get rid of next, and I'm sure they wanted to get rid of me as well, too. But I also think we all really got along as, as people and as friends. And, uh, you know, I made some right decisions and I suggested a few things that worked. And um, it worked out that I, I had the immunity necklace a couple times in the end. So I, I ultimately, or anybody else that has that, that's true control of the game. That's only control of Survivor. So um, when you get to that point, that's when you got to really um, embrace it. And then say, okay, I have something here. I can make this decision or this decision. How would I want to have the outcome? And hopefully you make the right decision. I, uh, I, I love just the constant use of the word suggesting, Brian. I think everybody listening to this playing Survivor right now, listen to Brian Heidegg when you go into the game Survivor. Just suggest things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoy it. Now, I can't say a few other words. I'd give up all my secrets, but that's one thing I'll... I'll throw a bone out there, okay? Yes. You've got to keep some because, you know, we want to see you play again one day, Brian. So you've got to keep, you know, a few locked away. Well, we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> but into the final tribal council, it's a very heated final tribal council. You you did, though, seem to keep your a cool head in that when the questions are coming towards you, you handled it better than Clay. Again, was that going into it thinking, I've just got to remain cool, I've got to do the Mr. Freeze, I've got to answer these honestly, I've got to move along? Or was it kind of just on the fly, okay, sh- this is what I'm going to have to do to win this million dollars? Well, what you have to ask yourself first is, when is there not going to be a heated tri- tribal council? Is there ever going to be a mellow heated tribe? Absolutely not. I, I went in there with a shield of armor and my hatchet, my sword. I went in there sitting there. It was obviously invisible, but I had my alligator coat on me. I was ready, my bulletproof vest. Bring it on is kind of where my, my uh, mentality was. Please ask the questions. I'll respond accord- accordingly. And if it doesn't make sense, ask another question. But like anything else, Clay, when he was asked certain questions, he allowed his emotions to control his answers, whereas I was more strategic and um, uh, answering the questions on a uh, more logical standpoint on why this happened and the series of events that came up to it. And if somebody needed an apology, my gosh, I'm the first one to say I apologize. Where some people still will not, oh, I don't, I don't regret anything I've done. Very immature answers, whereas, hey, if you want an apology and I felt you want an apology, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to apologize. But if they were sitting on the same position as, as myself, I'm sure they would understand Logically, after I would um, explain the answer, okay, geez, that does make sense. He is right. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's so interesting how people go into these tribal councils because I think as um, you know, an armchair critic myself, Brian, never played the game, I go into every final tribal council going, oh, this person's going to react this way, they're going to react this way. But in the heat of the, the battle, heat of the moment, you're going you're gonna to react a different way or if all of a sudden people are going, I hate you, Brian, I hate you, Brian, why did you do this? And all of a sudden you're going, whoa, what's all with the hate guys? Well, that's, that's, when, that's when your own emotions come into play and it, it all, all depends on how you can handle different personalities. And when you've been with these people for a long period of time, you kind of know them. 
So you can kind of either, um, uh, 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 as long as there's no jealousy or no hate involved, you can talk about it with them. Whereas I, I, I felt some jealousy and I felt some sort of, um, from the younger tribe members, I felt a little bit of animosity. Oh, shoot, he's there and I'm not. Where it's like, hey, I just happened to have, be a little luckier. I made some right decisions and we had a little bit better friendships than you guys did out there. So don't hate, enjoy, and ask really what questions are really worthwhile of asking what makes you either want to vote for me or don't vote for me. And it's pretty simple. So luckily, uh, the majority went my way, which, again, it's, it's, it's an amazing uh, uh, a feeling when you go, geez, it, uh, you played the game and it made sense and you did as much as you could. As you know, I know I threw a few curveballs and I know I played a little leapfrog here and there, but at the same time, you stick to a certain way. You st- I still treated people with respect. And that's what a lot of times people don't understand and nowadays is, you know, if you start treating people with disrespect, you're not going to move forward in the game of Survivor, period. And they feel that energy from you, too. They really feel that out there. TV can't, um, TV really can't portray that energy, but you do have this bond with, like, good friends when you're out there still, and uh, you, you hope that uh, it moves you further in the game. Mm. Yeah, well, again, we're learning things here, Brian. People, I hope you're listening to this at home are taking notes, all right? You're learning from one of the greatest players of all time. And I'm not just saying that as a suck-up on this program, Brian, because I, I have admitted on this program, we, we recently had a big um, get-together with some of the helpers we have on this show, the Oslets, where we, we all got together and discussed various uh, elements of the show and the history of, of Survivor. And we had to all vote for who we thought the greatest player of all time was. My vote for greatest player of all time was you. Well, you're too kind. You're too, you're too kind. It's very kind of you. But it, it was it was an amazing experience. It was incredibly tough. And, uh, um, again, watching these people nowadays on the show, you really realize, wow, that was that was a great time but a very tough time. And, and you, you still watch the different personalities go in there and how they react to certain things and how they don't react. And yeah, it's, it's fun watching it on, your, on my flat screen. On my uh, at my house, as opposed to being out there, I'll tell you that it's much more pleasurable watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. What was the wait like for you then, in between the wrapping up of filming, the live reunion? How confident were you that you'd won it? And when those votes are read out, you declared the winner. Besides, obviously, winning a million dollars, what's the biggest thrill to come out of winning Survivor? Well, I always like to say I earned a million dollars. I earned it. <laughs> I earned it. Yes, <laughs> but um. Just the, the, it's like a gold medal. Um, it's like winning a Super Bowl. You you have this great experience in life, and you have this great uh, uh, event that has happened. But it comes and it goes. And uh, the, some of the greatest events in my life uh, lately have been, you know, my new uh, marriage and my my four children. And that really, uh, you look back and you go, geez, it was. I look back at my life and go, it was so much, Brian. I want to do this. I want to do this. And now it's so much not Brian, and whoa, there's so much more around me that is so very important. And you take that experience with Survivor and with business and with life, and you go, hey, I hope I can pass this on to these kids that are still learning about life. You know, my oldest being 12, uh, uh, Logan, Ethan, 11, and then Waylon, who's 5, and then Jocelyn, Farah, who's now 2. My my two women in my life, my wife and my 2-year-old, uh, I hope... I can pass back some experiences and opportunities that the mistakes that I've made, these guys and girls won't ever make mistakes. And that's, that's what I look back at Survivor and go, geez, I, although I, I, I had some success out of it too, I've made a lot of bad decisions. I've had some failures in life and uh, some things that shouldn't have happened. But I look at all that and go, wow, it's, it's brought me here to a very good place where I had, I had so much before at one time, but I really had nothing. 
Now I have much less, but I have so much, if that makes sense. It's an interesting analogy. Yeah, no, it definitely does make sense, actually. And, um, you know, obviously we're, we're glad to find, obviously, that um, with certain things that we've read that's happened, you know, you've moved on and gotten to a place like that, Brian, so we're thrilled with that. Have you managed to sit down then and watch with your kids Survivor and gone, look, this is this is how I played, giving them some extra insight? Yeah, I mean, I've, sure, I've got some uh, copies of Thailand, and uh, they... Obviously, the 12 and 11-year-old uh, Logan and Ethan understand the concept of their father being uh, on a show and that he won. And uh, with the kids' classrooms, and sometimes you go there, it's, oh, that's the guy. And, uh, you know, but ultimately, I'm just dad to them. And the little ones don't quite understand it yet, too. But we have had some funny talks about uh, um, Survivor and the game of how you don't eat. And uh, they're more interested in the tarantula that I ate and the uh, um, after a challenge and the um, grasshoppers and uh, the uh, mussels and some of the ants and the things you put in the soup. So they're more interested in all the yucky stuff. Mm, I can imagine <laughs> that, actually. I think in um, all the uh, the gross food eating challenges, I'll, I'll watch Survivor and i go, yeah, I could eat that, I could eat that. The only one I've ever gone, okay, I don't know if I could eat that, was the tarantula. Because I hate spiders, and that to me would have been like, whoa, okay then. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you say that, because if you can imagine, just after winning a challenge, you're, you, you want something to drink, your mouth is quite dry. And, of course, Jeff tells you, you know, Brian, you've got to finish that all and then show me that it's went down and you can't throw it up. Wow. Even more pressure once you're done. So the first thing I asked Jeff, I go, well, Jeff, is it cooked? He's like, well, uh, yeah, a little bit. I said, okay. He goes, in other words, it won't poison you. So meanwhile, I take this thing that has beef. It's a beef jerky-like skin along with a creme brulee inner that just squirts all over your mouth. I didn't taste it. I had my nostrils closed, but... If you can imagine the texture of beef jerky along with the cream creme brulee in the middle uh, gushing around your mouth with a little bit of fur in there, uh, that's what uh, that, that's what a tarantula tastes like. So, ah, yeah, that was uh, rough. that was rough. Even still thinking about it, but it was rough, especially after a challenge. But you know, like anything else, you uh, you uh, you do it, and luckily I didn't throw it up. Yes. So I was very thankful. Something you can always <laughs> say that you've done. I've eaten a tarantula, folks. Have you? Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> now, one thing actually I've always been intrigued about, and I've always thought about asking this question to you because I think you're the perfect person to ask it to. Jeff Probst has often always voted Thailand pretty much his worst season of all time, and he said that it is his least final two, the least likable final two in the history of the show. Now, what, what do you have to say to those comments from Jeff and also the criticism for your season that it often gets? Well, what happened a lot of times behind the scenes and it still happens, I'm sure, today, what a lot of people can't uh, imagine on, or they can't understand on camera, is a lot of times, Jeff's a very smart man, very, very, very good psychologist, Jeff is. Um, I just was a little better. So uh, the issues that Jeff and I had were behind the scenes where he'd ask me some certain things, and once the camera's not rolling, we kind of had, I'm not going to answer that. Well, if I ask you something, you need to answer it. No, I don't conversation so him and i went at it a little bit so i am sure there's a little animosity with regards to that although good guy great guy had a lot of fun with it i'm surprised he said some negative comments like that about the this, this season because it was uh, some of the most beautiful scenery that he's ever seen and that i've ever seen uh from what he was saying also too but i'm sure it was the fact that there are some things behind the scenes that a lot of viewers don't seem to realize that um he would want answers in a certain way and um 
I wasn't going to give him a certain way. Mm, well, I mean, it's obviously important, I think, to, to kind of realise that about Jeff, is that um, we, I can't remember who it was who recently said it, but he's almost like an extra player in the game that he's never going to get voted out, so to speak. Well, he's, a uh, again, very smart host who knows the game extremely well, and if you fall into his trap of talking about certain things, it can hurt your strategy. It can divulge things to other members that are sitting in tribal council that ultimately you guys go back to camp and talk about. And that's what I saw very on, early on in the game, that I wasn't going to divulge certain things that I did not want to talk about. And that's where he had some issues with myself about that. And that's fine, but that's it, it ultimately helped me play the game because if I would have said some things that he wanted to ask, it could have hurt my movement forward. Mm. Very interesting, I think, to hear these things. Now, Brian, we're going to get to our listener questions in just a moment and wrap it up with our fire survivors because I've got a lot of listener questions to get through. But just before I do, a couple of things I want to touch on quickly. Now, um, so many people asked about uh, All-Stars. Now, we've I've seen in interviews and read, obviously, the reasons why you didn't go back for All-Stars. Uh, was, there, was there more to it basically based on the fact that, um, you know, you were maybe expecting a bit of payment for it? And do, do you regret, looking back on All-Stars, maybe never going back for the second time? Well, uh, I've always said if you want Brian to play, you're going to have to pay. <laughs> Again, was it a little... I, you know, I don't want to confuse confidence with cockiness i never do it's always a confidence fact but when you are a winner um you know your your quarterbacks or your running backs or your receivers they get paid a little bit differently than say your defensive or offensive linemen a lot of times there's a reason for that and when you've had the title of uh, a winner there should be some sort of compensation or some sort of um uh something attached to it because generally speaking your chances on there have just been complete doubled if not tripled for the fact that you could get voted off so that's all that. My thought process was, hey, if that's how it is, then it's got to be this. And obviously, CBS didn't see it that way. And uh, uh, Mark Burnett, love him to death. You know, I'd love to uh, have another chit-chat with him. Mm, well, we, we, we interviewed him recently, actually, Brian. So, look, uh, look I'll, I'll get to his people again. I'll be like, look, Brian wants to chat with you, Mark. Set it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. He's a great great guy. And what I always remember from Mark is it's, it's interesting in one of the – final scenes of uh of survivor hit he was he was him and i were kind of alone and he just said you know brian if you take anything from this just soak it all in just soak it all in and i've always used that statement to this day just soak it all into my kids and uh whenever there's a stressful situation take it all in so it's very good words of uh encouragement take take it all in soak it all in you're going to look back and you really enjoy this moment so anytime there are times of stress i still think of mark burnett and a lot of times i just say well I'm just going to take it all in and deal with it accordingly. So a great man, obviously a great individual that really had some uh, great ideas with shows and obviously this show. So I really do respect his decisions and uh, uh, would look forward to hearing from him again. Well, hopefully it will happen. I, ha- I have to ask the question, Brian, again, what if hindsight, it's a hard question probably to answer. How do you think you would have gone on All-Stars? We saw all the winners get targeted very early. Do you think you would have had the ability to fight that off or do you think you would have really maybe just gone early like the other winners? Well, let me ask you a question. How do you think I would have done? I, you know I'm going to be biased and say that you were going to do the best out of all the winners and you're going to be able to overcome all that. You know I'm going to say that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's like anything else. It's There is a little luck involved, but ultimately um, I'd love to spray a little magic dust <laughs> next time around. <laughs> do you, have you actually, again, people always ask this question, have you been asked back for any other seasons besides All-Stars? No. No, I have not. 
Right. That's interesting because I know with Heroes vs. Villains, I think your name was brought up to an interview to Jeff, and I think he said you weren't seriously considered, which is interesting because, I mean, you obviously were voted in the best villain category at that All-Stars um, reunion special, and I think when people think of the great villains, they, they often put you up there. So, I mean, was that almost offensive not to be asked back for Heroes vs. Villains? Did you have any thoughts on why you weren't? I, I guess Jeff and I need to sit down and have a little powwow. That's what I think needs to happen here. Or Jeff and I need a little uh, making up to do, it sounds like. We me. have to make this happen, folks. I think so many people are still mouth-watering at the fact of you returning. I mean, it often gets brought up uh, an all-winners season, I think. And um, I brought that up with Mark Burnett, and he said, never say never. And a, a few people actually messaged us in, and apparently there's rumours going around that uh, when they bring back returning players now, they often give them a bit more money than they used to. So I suppose then if they give you that phone call, Brian, you know, fingers crossed, there might be that well, ability. Well, it's, and again, it's, it's, um, it's nowadays, again, that was, a, that was a point in my life where, you know, you have this sort of confidence and awe around you. Nowadays, it's, it's more of, well, you have this family and do you want to leave the family and go through the trials and tribulations of the mind games of Survivor? And being a winner, you know you're always going to have the uh, X on your back. But like anything else, um, you know, I always try to stay mentally in shape as well as physically in shape on a daily basis. So it's not like uh, this would be an extremely uh, 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 tough experience physically, being that I always try to maintain a certain physical aspect just in business and in life. So, um, you know, is there a possibility? There's always possibility. And as I'll, I'll quote Mark, never say never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, again, my mouth's watering at that thought, Brian. Uh, just also, too, before we get to the listener questions, you mentioned, obviously, um, you, you watched the show or you have watched the show since um, since your season. Do you watch it every season, or is it kind of you, you'll start watching a season and realize, oh, yeah, I'll keep watching this one? Well, I usually start watching um, later on into the season. Once you get start getting uh, tribal councils going and you've got the former members of a tribe coming back, that's when it really gets interesting. Because the beginning time, you've got your players and you've got your quote-unquote amateurs that usually get voted off early. So it's kind of uh, uh, fun to start watching it once the game's already playing. Being that I've played, I can kind of get into it right away, not miss a step without all the uh, um, uh, pre-game warm-up, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So I always enjoy getting into it halfway through the season, like now, and um, uh, watching, seeing how they're going, and seeing how people have progressed, although I do like to see who's going to be playing the game, the first 18 and the first 20, and then look into it four weeks later and say, oh, okay, so these people aren't playing, and you, you kind of look at their personalities and what, what, they're, what they are and how they've been playing, and you understand why they've got booted off. So, mm. have, you, have you been in, um, enjoying the Philippines at the moment? Uh, have you thought this has been a good season? Yeah, the Facts of Life girl, I think she's doing real well for herself. Um, she's really becoming a strong person, if you look at what's going on in her personal life, too, because she's talked a little bit about that, too, uh, Blair, I believe her name is, she's doing very well. Yeah, yeah, she's, um, she's an interesting one. <laughs> but her personal life has been very tough, too, so this is not unusual for her to do extremely well uh, on the island right now because she's used to the tough things that are going on in her mind, so... I really hope she moves forward, and I think she's got a good grasp of the game. We'll definitely see how that pans out. Now, also, we always like to find out from our guests on the show uh, in terms of who you've kept in contact with over the years and also uh, what you're up to in your own life now, Brian, and really in the last 10 years, I think, since a lot of people have heard from you. Yeah, well, I just basically uh, just keep in touch with those that voted for me. (laughs) They're all my good friends. So, um, uh, you know, I've kind of lost touch. I've, you know, moved out into the country here in Georgia, 
you know, just involved in the car industry too, and uh, love being a father. So I really love being a father right now. I'm kind of providing uh, a life lessons for these little guys that hopefully they can uh, ultimately, um, uh, in turn, uh, utilize one or two things. You know, and I introduce them to things in sports and ideas and activities. And if they fall in love with something, now I don't. I'm not ever going to be this forceful guy, but if they fall in love with something, my gosh, I think I've done my job. So right now, there's a lot more focus on those in my life than what's going on with Brian. And I, I have a very giving aspect now, which I kind of enjoy uh, to be able to be this Mr. Dad and uh, um, try to give advice to these kids uh, on a daily basis. So that's about it. It's kind of a boring life out here in the country in Georgia, but uh, I live in a beautiful country and uh, I've got a beautiful family. So Again, I've got a great life right now. So that's kind as of long as cool. you're happy, Brian, that's the main thing. Absolutely. Internally, of course. And that comes across, too, on Survivor. There's folks that are happy in life and they're not. So yeah, I try to be a pretty happy person all the time. So hopefully that continues. I like it. Well, uh, we're going to get into these listener questions now, Brian, because I've got a few now. Just remind people, SurvivorOz at Hotmail.com.au. Send them in. Of course, follow us on Facebook and Twitter to find out who we've got coming up on the show. And we got loads of these, Brian. I think a majority of these questions we got are uh, all related to two things, which I'm sure you don't want to talk about, and that is puppies and porn. <laughs> Again, <laughs> well, when Bruce Willis or Mel Gibson or um, um, some of these top-notch actors do a rated R film, uh, it's considered okay. Uh, there was, that's what I was doing. It just was, it was soft. It was... The budget wasn't as high. It was strictly a simulation. So there was never any real things going on. And that's what most people don't realize. But, of course, the media gets it, uh, makes it out of play. As a 20-year-old in L.A., and you've, I've done some national commercials. I've been on a soap opera. I've, I've uh, uh, had some guest starring appearances. But as an artist, as an actor, when you're in L.A., it's part of income. And you do some things that, hey, maybe you never think about. But... The budget wasn't over a million dollars, so it's considered "quote unquote" soft porn. If the budget was over a million dollars or five million, then it's rated R. That's how I look at that. Number one. Number two, mm-hmm. with regards to dogs and puppies, you know, I had there was a there was a, I had a, a, a marriage that was dissolved. Um, I had some when I was living on acreage. There was a dog that actually I had my dogs in the cage. I had a coyote. We had a coyote that kept coming on our lot and actually killed some ducks. I thought the dog was a coyote. One thing led to another. The media blew it out of portion. It was a wild dog that was on our property, and uh, um, that was blown out of proportion. If I hadn't been married at the time to somebody, it could have been resolved very quietly. But because I was who I was, she wanted to make sure the media knew. One thing led to another, got out of control. So that's all that was. It was a, more of a, a blown out of proportion with the media. And like anything else, you, you, you take your punches and you move on, but that's all... Uh, that's all behind me. That's uh, well, it's good. I, as I said, I, I, a lot of these questions that I got about them, some actually were kind of funny. I'll see if I'll put a few Please. of them in, but I just, I just wanted to put that up. Actually, before I get to these, now one question that a lot of people ask us about. Now I don't know if I can really explain this too well unless I can show you the clip. There was an ad that is floating around the internet from 1992 that people assume is you for a crispy crunch chocolate bar. Was that you? Did you do an ad for that about 20 years ago? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That was a major campaign up there in Canada, uh, Nielsen Cadbury. It was one of my first gigs after my Saturday Night Live gig. Uh, I, I, did, uh, I moved to L.A. and immediately booked about a dozen national commercials, Miller Lite, uh, uh, one of the, uh, another soft drink, uh, Crystal Light, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
a bunch of others, and Krispy Kreme candy bar was a major campaign that was shot up in Toronto. I did uh, I did about a, uh, about a half dozen commercials for Nielsen Cadbury up there in Canada. So it was a great campaign. But yeah, that was uh, I got a lifetime supply of Krispy Crunch candy bar. Wow, because I, I know there's a, there's a whole thread I think on Survivor Sucks where people debate it to the death. That's not Brian. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. So I had to clear that up. And people are intrigued. I don't know if you remember the ad, Brian. What did you whisper into the woman's ear in that elevator? <laughs> Now, you know I can't say that on the radio. <laughs> you can pass that message on to me after we finish this then. <laughs> so many people are wondering, wondering. Uh, I'm glad we've cleared that, that up. Was a fun, that, was a fun, that was a fun shoot. and um, uh, But, yeah, you can hear it coming from the horse's mouth. That was me uh, in those scenes. It was good, a, a great product and a great shoot. Beautiful. We've confirmed that. Now, uh, I've got some questions. Solomon Dalguam uh, asked, now I've kind of obviously touched on an all-winner season. Uh, now, he, he's asked, if you were to ever be on an all-winner season, who would you consider to be the biggest threat and who do you think you could easily beat? Besides, obviously, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I was, uh, you never want to uh, uh, point fingers or pinpoint things. There's, there is some sense of luck that's out there and um, you've got to have some sort of map to go into it. But, you know, Rob, extremely tough. Um, uh, Hatch is going to be tough. All these, even some of the girls that are on there would be kind of interesting playing with some of these girls that have won to see how their psychology gets when they're under a stressful situation. So it'd be a free-for-all. It's like the beginning of a football season or beginning of a rugby season. You think one team's going to win, but you don't know until the end. So that's kind of like with an All-Stars. You, you really can't pinpoint that. There's so many elements uh, and hindsight, it'd be it'd be interesting to see. Mm, exactly, so many people would love to see it. Uh, speaking of uh, Rob, Will Hatch asked the question: Should Boston Rob pay you royalties for copying your gameplay? <laughs> well, um, we actually sign off to all those royalties and everything because it's a reality show. But uh, Rob is a smart guy. Uh, what Rob knew was people. Um, Rob knew people, and what I'm really happy about Rob was is he found someone that. He married on the show, which is huge. I know he was a single guy going into it. That's the one factor that I would, wouldn't want to be involved in. I mean, I'm sure that single life is hard enough as it is, but the fact that he found love on the show was great. So I think it's great that he found that, but that's, uh, that's funny how um, um, there are some similarities that Rob, I'm sure, took. And, you know, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, so I'll take that as a compliment. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there's a video actually going around at the moment, um, an interview you did during All-Stars with Sandra talking about how All-Stars was developing. And um, you mentioned in that that you thought it, it wasn't overly smart what Rob and Amber were doing at the time of that season. Do you think how it all panned out, though, that it turned out to be smart? Or do you still kind of stand by... Couples in Survivor, stupid, don't do it. Well, again, there's no definition to what's right and wrong or Survivor. That's where I think you go with it. And it worked out okay for them during that time period. Would it work out again today? Probably not. I don't think there's going to be another Robin Amber that can get away with that nowadays. But it worked then. That's what makes Survivor so brilliant is it worked then. And you have to do something different later. So, and again, I'm glad that they found love and... Uh, I, I mean, if there's more love in this world, I think this world will be a better place. So I think it's great. I, I definitely uh, I compliment them on that. I like that. I like that thought. Uh, Russ Bartlett asked the question, did you misspell road trip on purpose in the car reward because you didn't want winning a car to make you look like a threat? Did I, in other words, did I throw a challenge? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Be, being the fact that, you know, I've kind of been in the car business all my life, um, 
cars to me are like rocks. They're like dollar bills. I've always had them. And uh, I was so surprised that no one was moving forward. I'm moving forward, looking around, going, please, somebody move forward, or please, somebody do something. So meanwhile, I deliberately kind of misspelled it because there's been this curse, and I knew that everybody who's won the car has gotten axed. I think that's changed since then. But sure, up to that point, I, you know, you, you have this sort of, whoa, I got to be careful. And I sort of was building this momentum that I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to have a car stand in my way of the mill. So you got to say, well, look, what's more important? Get rid of a car, move forward towards the mill or get a car and have so many obstacles put forward into you for the mill. So in other words, yes, I did deliberately misspell it. That's such an interesting uh, confession there, Brian, because I think um, Jeff, I, I believe it was Guatemala, they brought it in that Jeff mentioned the car curse and was like, look, you can give up the car to everybody else or keep it for yourself. And Cindy kept it for herself, was promptly voted out. So the fact that you're kind of aware in that situation, hang on a minute, I win this car, I'm not going to win. Oh, let's just misspell road trip. Do, do people comment to you after the game? Brian, do you know how to spell? <laughs> Yeah, well, of course. And, uh, you know, without going into strategy and this and that, I'm glad Ted got the car. I think he needed it at the time or something like that. So it's one of those things where you're, you're all this series of events that have taken place up until then, you realize that it was all meant to be with regards to that. So that's why these material objects or material things, you have to look at things strategically and say what's really important in the, uh, in the long run. Mm, you'd rather win a million dollars and you can buy 10 cars anyway, Brian. Why do you need one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Now, uh, Alex Isaac asks, does anyone actually call you Mr. Freeze? And how did you keep your hair so perfect during the season? Well, um, seaweed. <laughs> Seawater and seaweed are a very good mixture. A lot of people don't realize that. So I should have patented it years ago. Um, now, I've had some people say how you play the game. It's cool, Mr. Freeze and all that, which I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. So... The elements in the island out there, I, I never knew how I looked or how my hair was, so I had no idea my hair was that way. It was one of those things where I just went in the ocean and um, luckily it ha happened to stay halfway decent, I think, and uh, all I can attribute that to is seaweed and seawater, so, uh, and a little bit of sand. Mm, there's a secret. <laughs> there's, you can patent it now, Brian. It's not too late. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, Mario Lanza asks, uh, in your bio, it said you were a star quarterback in college. What school did you go to, and did you ever consider trying to go pro? No, I had a series of injuries. I went to NC State, North Carolina State, Wolfpack for a while. Um, I had a series of injuries. I never started or anything, but it was, um, it was a great experience getting recruited by them and uh, going to a major college, uh, trying to play, but the injuries, and I... I there's also this sort of uh, there's always this sort of desire to experience the world. Hence the uh, the entry into theater and the arts, um, acting and commercials. And you know, I studied. A lot of people don't realize I studied off off Broadway. Uh, did a lot of Meisner and Method. I've done uh, a series of plays as well too. So I had to kind of find myself. And sports wasn't for me at the time. And I think the injuries with my knee uh, helped me. Uh, sort of uh, satisfy this, um, you know, at 21, 20 years old, you're sort of this uh, free type soul that has to experience life. And that's where I was in life at the time. So um, if I look back, what I, should I gain sports a little bit uh, more seriousness? Sure. But hindsight, again, you move on. Um, I, I, I kind of fulfilled this need to experience life in New York and Los Angeles. And um, you never know what life has a hold until you try it. Mm. 
Yeah, good point. I like that. While you're, yeah, while, while you're still single. Mm-hmm, exactly. Thank you, Mario, for that question. Now, uh, Kurt with a K asks the question, what did you spend the million dollars on? And, yes or no question, did the dog live? Uh, the million dollars, you know, I invested. Uh, I capitalized. I put it in the market. Um, uh, college funds. I saw things grow, and then I, the market changed as well, too. Uh, I guess one of the main things I purchased was my Dodge Viper. So that was kind of my first present to myself, a little Dodge Viper and uh, 79 Trans Am, so always being in the cars. So just uh, you know, some sports cars, uh, a couple toys here and there. But other than that, uh, just invest, invested it in uh, things for the kids for the future now. So that was nice. But, yes, uh, the dog did live and is a, uh, is a full-grown dog now, which uh, is still around, apparently, from what I heard. Okay, so then. in a positive aspect, the dog did live, That's yes. something that I think really um, it never really came out with, amongst all the media storm that it came out with, Brian. It was never kind of mentioned, did the dog live? <laughs> well, anytime you're in this limelight, there's always you know, a lot of negativity, uh, breeds a lot of publicity for certain uh, news channels. And, you know, the minute something positive happens or everything's suppressed, then nobody wants to talk about it anymore. So that's all... All what happened, but that's all uh, all uh, water behind us now, so we can uh, all move on from that. Exactly. Uh, now, a couple more. Uh, Cody Ross asked a question: Who is more batshit insane, Helen or Jan? Well, um, these women are very strong competitors nowadays. Uh, with regards to backstabbing or back talking, they were both very good, <laughs> very good at uh, at moving forward in the game. And you know, Helen was a very fierce competitor. Helen and I are today, to this day, are still good friends. We just haven't talked lately. But um, I've seen Jan a few times too. Um, again, good-hearted folks. Uh, both of them are are pretty hardcore when it comes to that. It's a, a very good political answer there, Brian. I think it was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're still good friends of yes, mine. Yes, yes. Well, uh, we're actually uh, we're speaking to Helen at the moment, and we're uh, about to get her lined up. So we're very excited to speak to Helen, actually. So uh, we'll be sure to pass on a hello to her. Now, uh, George, Georgia Hands asked the question, did you flick off the camera on purpose when doing your Alliance partner hit list? Well, um, no, I never really flipped. I think it was more of a misinterpretation. But no, no. It was more of a, of a one finger down, two finger down. It was more trying to be funny. Trying to make a stressful situation comical, but not on purpose. It was more done in fun and in uh, in good humor. So, um, and I think they took it as that too. So, no, it was it was definitely a a fun thing to do. But that was just kind of my personality at the time. And we all become this island like different person when we're out there too. So that was a, a island type person that kind of uh, I was becoming. And it was kind of uh, exciting, and I embraced it. So that was uh, my character of, uh, of being very confident uh, during a stressful situation, which was fun. We um, recently posted a clip on uh, our Facebook page uh, from YouTube. I think there's a video out there called The Brilliance of Brian Heideck or something like that, where it's kind of got classic moments, and you, you've got the one where you, you do that. You, you act, well, accidentally flip the people off. And I think a lot of people that uh, people still comment about is, um, I think, the comments you made uh, towards some of the women there or something like, women belong in the kitchen or something. Did, did you get a lot of flack from that when you got home for that one comment? But isn't that so much fun? <laughs> it's so much. It's just having a fun with a few things. And people take things out of context, but you have to understand too. Out there during the time period I was on, um, it became very prehistoric-like or cave-like. Whereas the women really did want to do wash dishes and do things, um, which we all embraced. All the guys were like, "This is great, sure, 
we'll take some more soup. Or, yeah, you can wash that if you want. Thank you. Now, if I was asked to wash something or if I'd say, hey, can I get you another dish? I have no problem doing that, too. It was just a natural progression at the time. So was I feeling it at the time during that time of Survivor? Absolutely. And that's what was going on. And the women knew it, too. They just wanted to kind of make us think about it. And uh, we were all just kind of having fun. So it's uh, it really was more in, in fun than anything else. I like it. I like that answer. Now, before I get to the final five questions, I've got one more question. I'm, I don't even know think you're going to answer this one, but I've got to ask it anyway. Alex Isaac asked the question, which survivor would you like to shoot a porn scene with? <laughs> Interesting. Now my, my mind is, is turning circles. <laughs> Where's my wife around? Is yeah. my wife around no, here? No, I don't know. I don't know. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> that that has a question mark behind it. That, that put a, that's I don't. That's leaves me speechless. You'll come back to that one. You'll uh, you'll think about it. We'll come back. Yes, to that. indeed. Thank you so much to everybody who sent those questions in. We did get a lot, and uh, obviously, apologies to the ones we couldn't get to. Now, Brian, we wrap up every single interview with a set of five survivor-based questions. So intrigued to find your answers about these because, uh, as I said, you've been answered for some of these before, so uh, I'm excited. What are three things you learnt about Jeff Probst? Now, you've obviously touched on a few of these already during your time on Survivor. Extremely psychological, demanding, but giving. Demanding, but giving. I like that. That's a a different uh, explanation of our host that uh, I don't think I've ever heard before. I like it. (laughs) Absolutely. Again, I was a little surprised when he said Tyler was his least favorite season. So, again... Jeff and I need to have a little powwow. I think that's thrown you for a bit a of a curveball there, Brian. Because I think he's, he's only ever given two um, rankings of all-time seasons. And um, on both occasions, Thailand was the bottom. And it's always intrigued me that because I, I know Thailand often gets criticism as voted one of the worst. But personally, and I'm not just saying this, trust me, that I'm talking to you and that I'm a fan of you. I have ranked it in my top ten. I think it's very underrated. Yeah, and you're always going to have that nowadays too. You're going to have have the underdog and that's that's okay because uh i've taken a lot out of it and you know such is life say la vie yes exactly uh kind of moves in perfectly into our, our second question in the history of survivor brian heideck what is your favorite season and your least favorite season well i'd probably have to say one of the greatest seasons i've seen to this date are gonna have to be of course thailand absolutely but um other than that i really enjoyed amazon um i enjoyed uh, uh the first season watching it too uh, the Philippines is shaping up to be pretty good. Outback was was fun to watch. So, as much as I like to to say the, the the later seasons, I think the earlier seasons are some of the some of the funnest and the best because of the newness and the um, the the quality of the of the type of individuals that were on there and the lack of knowing how to play the game and without all this strategic talk. So, probably the first up to the first I'd say dozen were my favorites. And least favorite? Are there anyone you want to single out or kind of? Uh, yeah, ten. Ten, I want to say 10, 11, uh, 10, 10, 11, 12 ish. I kind of got lost and bored, and I, I, I got not interested in the characters. So, um, but otherwise, it's uh, it is what it is, and that's uh, that's Survivor. It's, you're going to have your good seasons and your bad seasons. Just like your quarters in rugby or football, you're going to have your good quarters and bad quarters. Exactly, it works out well. Now, question number three. I mean, you could kind of consider this similar to the question I just asked you a few minutes ago that you couldn't answer, but I don't know if this is slightly different. In the history of Survivor, Brian, who is the sexiest ever contestant? Let's see, the sexiest ever contestant. Um, 
Sexiest, yeah, uh, I'm sure, as in terms of female, correct? Well, I mean, if you really want to answer male, Brian, please feel free to. But uh, look, yes, female would work. Uh, let's see, who was the uh, the girl that was on the Amazon, the dark haired girl, Jenna? Yes, yes, Jenna Maraska. She she actually, to be honest, doesn't get answered as much as I ever would think she would. Um, we on our big poll that we had recently. She did make the top 10 sexiest female contestants, but a lot of Survivor contestants, surprisingly, Brian, don't answer her. I wonder why. I don't know. All I know is whenever you got girls taking their tops off on a season, <laughs> you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's enough there to, uh, to be voted for easily. Uh, question number four. Now, it's a two-part question. In the history of Survivor, Brian, who to you has been the greatest player that has never won the game, and who has been your least favorite winner? Let's see. Um, well, I mean, can you really have a least favorite winner? Uh, you can, and we, we know you want to answer it. <laughs> and don't get mad at me, Sandra. Sandra, don't get mad at me. Sandra, don't get mad at me. But uh, uh, there's a, there's a uh, you know, Sandra just got annoying after a while. Although I like her a lot, don't get me wrong. After a while, enough Sandra. Um, besides that now, uh, let's see. Who, who, uh, who won a lot? And then, uh, yeah, I, I guess I got to say, you know, Colby. Colby was always there, just never took it. Yeah. Always there, just never took it. I would like to have seen him win. Yeah. He, um, we, in our poll, we asked that question, who is the greatest player never to have won? And he did make it into fifth position. Um, so he's obviously still gets voted a fair bit, Colby. One person, actually, that we haven't brought up in this interview that I would love to hear your thoughts on, uh, Russell Hance. Now, what are your thoughts on Russell? Three-time player, villain, you know, do you like the guy? Do you not? Is he an idiot the way he plays? Did I, did I let you know what I thought of Sandra? <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, pro- I probably would have put him away after the first three weeks. Mm-hmm. So I would have I uh, uh, burned out that candle real quick. I would have made sure that that would have happened. So um, there's a point of, of Russell playing the game good and being an obnoxious. And he drew was in that fine line of playing the game obnoxious. So uh, that's kind of what, uh, what I thought. Because uh, some people, I think, when it comes to comparisons of players, obviously they like to compare the villains, so to speak. And, you know, often Russell's name does get thrown up sometimes in the same category as yourself or, or Richard Hatch. I mean, is, is that offensive then if you're in the same category as Russell? Well, well, again, if you're playing the game, that's one thing. Uh, just like there was a confidence and cockiness that I drew a fine line of, whereas Russell, you play the game, you're a good player and annoying. There's that line. So, no, not at all. I mean, he, he did. I mean, he got a long way. I can't believe some of the de- things he did that people fell for it at that time when they were out there. It was quite interesting, the plays he made, but he kind of uh, took some huge risks that did come into his favor. So, um, he played the game good, but he just never, uh, um, he never was on my best uh, player list. He got... Uh, uh, he got lucky a few times too. That would be a very interesting list. A lot of people would love to read uh, the Brian Hardick best player list. That's something you can send through to us, Brian. Uh, the, the, speaking of best players, the final question for you today. This is a, a question you have been voted for in the past. In the history of Survivor, who is the greatest ever contestant and why? And you are allowed to vote for yourself. I will say that. Well, uh, no, I have to say anybody that's that's who's uh who is it rob and uh amber i mean i really got to say rob rob's one of the best players who's played been around there done it a few times you know he's been on there so many times and the guys played his heart out so i got to give it up to rob good guy 
period. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, he, he um, on our poll, was voted the um, second greatest player of all time. The person who was voted uh, greatest was uh, well, your favourite, Sandra, <laughs> given that she's won twice. But you came in at eighth on that poll. But if you look at it as uh, one-time winners, as in uh, winners have obviously only ever played once, you would be second on that poll. So uh, that's a way of looking at it to put you a bit higher on that list. Well, that's, that's very kind. It's, it's uh, like anything else. Um, you, you, you take your experiences, and if it, you know, if it comes around again, it'll be a, a different format, um, just a different time period, similar format. So A lot of the elements, I suppose, are there, the survival aspects and that, but, I mean, as we talked about earlier, hidden immunity idols, things like that, that's where you just obviously adapt your game to. Correct. And then, you know, again, we don't want to overcomplicate things, uh, this isn't uh, high technology. Um, we're not an, at an IT firm. This is people on an island trying to get along or they don't get along. If you simplify Survivor, you'll do very well. You'll move forward into the game. It's making suggestions, isn't it, Brian? Making suggestions. Correct. Correct. <laughs> that's that's the, what we've come away with this, mate. Well, I will say it has been an absolute honour having a chat with you today. Good luck with everything, with the used car salesman career and obviously your family, and I sincerely hope that one day we do see you again on Survivor. Pleasure talking with you. Never say never. Definitely one of my favourite chats I have ever done on Survivor Oz and uh, in any of my podcasting career. It is uh, a fun memory lane to visit that one as well and everything that we went into to get Brian on the show and a pleasure to be able to bring that to you today as well. And a pleasure to be able to bring you the Flashback Friday segment because as of uh, today, we're kind of going to be taking a bit of a break from the Flashback Friday segment on the Oz Network, given that we've obviously got some Survivor coverage happening right now with Island of the Idols. Some other exciting things happening for you in the coming months. We thought we would just put this on the back burner and maybe bring it back to you another day. So uh, make sure that you do stay tuned because obviously we know a few of you are listening to these but uh, it is now time to just take a step back from Flashback Friday and we'll see if we'll revisit that at some point in the future. In the meantime, remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the relevant channels. And of course, as I said, Island of the Idols is being covered right now with the Oz Network. Make sure you stay tuned to all our socials to find out who is going to be on the show, how you can get involved and how you can listen to each of those recap episodes happening to you each week. Thank you for tuning in to Flashback Friday. We'll speak to you next time on the Oz Network. My name has been Ben. We'll speak to you then. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.